Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Margot Robbie and her Dreamland collaborators on their new film and their comfort movies, including Lord of the Rings. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, Switching up the format a little bit today, guys, we've got the main event of today is a trio of guests at once talking about a new film, but also about the movies that they grew up loving. You know, these are the themes that we keep returning to on this podcast, especially in this last year where we've kind of been celebrating comfort movies. I had the opportunity to chat not only with Margot Robbie, who, of course, is somebody that I've always enjoyed chatting with and and since kind of exploding onto the scene in Wolf of Wall Street has just been, um, you know, succeeding in more and more different parts and variety of roles and, and now producing. But we also get a chance to talk to her, her leading man in this new film that she produced, Finn Cole, you may know from Peaky Blinders or Animal Kingdom, as well as the director of this film, Miles Joris Parafit. I hope I pronounced that right. Miles, forgive me if I got it wrong. Um, anyway, I spoke to these, uh, these, uh, this trio of collaborators on this new film, Dreamland, which is a, a beautiful piece of work. It's a really uh, stunning piece of work. I'm sad I didn't get to see it on the big screen, even on the smaller screen of my, in my living room. It, um, it was impressive. This is, as I said, a production from Margot Robbie's production company, Lucky Chap. They've been working on it for years and years, and finally, here it comes, uh, crossing the finish line. It's on demand by the time you hear this. And it's it's set in the 1930s in Texas during the Great Depression. Finn Cole plays a young man. Kind of, it's a bit of a coming of age story um, with Margot playing a an outlaw on the run who kind of comes into his life. And they go on the run and he kind of comes into his own. And it's um, it's an interesting blend of, of a few different kinds of movies. And um, and yeah, a great piece of work from Margot Finn, who I haven't seen in much stuff, uh, definitely acquits himself well. And Miles, who I believe this is just his second feature film, um, also uh, impresses. And by the way, as we talk about later on in this conversation, Margot and Miles, the director, are actually hopefully going to collaborate again on a, uh, a new version of Tank Girl. Yes, Tank Girl. So um, clearly they enjoy working with, with each other, and um, hopefully they'll get a chance to make that uh, that beloved property into a uh, into a movie, another movie. You guys might remember the old uh, one from, I guess it was probably the early 90s with Lori Petty. Um, anyway, this was a fun conversation about Dreamland, um, but also about their comfort movies, the movies they grew up with. It turns out that two of the three guests love Lord of the Rings. We had some debates about sort of which of the three Lord of the Rings films is the superior one. We talk a little Soderbergh. We talk a little Pirates of the Caribbean. A lot of fun, geeky, nerdy movie discussion on this podcast, as is always the case. It just so happens there are three guests instead of the usual one. Other things to mention, you know I always have a lot of stuff going on. I got a chance to chat with Sersha Ronan for MTV News. That conversation is up on MTV News' YouTube page. Highly recommended if you love Sersha as much as I do. This was a fantastic chat about Ammonite, her new film with Kate Winslet, as well as, of course, you know, 
just career stuff, where she's at in her career, working with Greta Gerwig, her friendship and collaborations with Timothy Chalamet, whether she still wants to star in a franchise film. She's one of these amazing actors who, despite all the accolades, all the success, actually hasn't really done franchise stuff, which I'm not saying that as a negative. I think it's fascinating. But anyway, we get into that in the conversation. I really enjoyed uh, catching up with Saoirse. And that, as I said, is on MTV News' YouTube page. New episode of Stir Crazy, my series for Comedy Central, up this week. By the time you listen to this, it's probably up on Comedy Central's YouTube page, if not within a couple hours. Uh, it is with the delightful, the charming, the dashing Paul Bettany. Uh, super, super fun episode with Paul, who, of course, you know from the MCU as Vision. He's also starring in a new film called Uncle Frank that's on Amazon Prime, just in time for Thanksgiving. Um, this is another wild and wacky one. Always enjoy exposing kind of the sillier sides of celebrities. And Paul, who I have done quite a bit with in the past, was certainly game. And uh, I think if you're a fan of his, of Marvel movies, etc., you will enjoy this chat. Um, those are the big things to mention. Other stuff, I talked to Letitia Wright recently. That conversation will be up on MTV News's uh, social media platforms, YouTube page, etc., um, and just cranking away at, we were taping this week, three episodes of stir crazy. So kind of banking the next few episodes. I don't want to jinx them just yet, but they are a trio of very, very cool folks that, um, I think you guys will dig. Um, and a lot of podcasts we might actually have to, I might do some double, um, podcasts in the next few weeks. There's just so many guests out there. I'm trying to fit as many in as I can and not let my brain explode. But um, this week, actually, I think I might be publishing a second episode of the podcast. So if you see a second little episode of Happy, Sad, Confused in your feed, you're welcome. No extra charge. Two for one deal. <laughs> I will do as many of them as I can, like I said, without letting my brain melt and um, my body collapse. Um, anyway, let's talk about this week's episode. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused. Spread the good word. In the meantime, here's an episode with Margot Robbie, who, by the way, has never done Happy, Sad, Confused before. Never done the podcast before. I've done so many things with her, but never the podcast. So happy to finally say she's a part of the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast library. Uh, enjoy this conversation with Margot and her Dreamland collaborators. And um, yeah, spread the good word and enjoy this chat. Hey, guys. How's it going, everybody? Hello. What's up? How are you? Um, Finn, Miles, this is, uh, this is not exactly the usual way I meet people, but I'll, I'll take what I can get in these crazy times. That's <laughs> great to meet you guys. Congratulations Lovely on the film. Yeah, uh, uh, Margot, always a pleasure. I think the last time I saw you, we were uh, trying to convince Leo to give up the goods on the end of Titanic and say, could he, in fact, fit on that door or not? <laughs> That's right. What did he say? I think he said no comment. In he the said end. no comment like five times in a row. He stonewalled us. Very diplomatic of him. Yeah. Yeah. I stumped, <laughs> I I stumped like the greatest actor. Guys. I felt like he was saying, I agree with you guys. And I may have brought that up on the day um, <laughs> and feel something indicated that I'm still being asked this decades later. But that's I just feel the vibe I, I was getting. I don't know. I did feel good that you and, and Brad supported me. It wasn't just me on there. You, you were like, yeah, give up the goods, man. It's time. You asked such a good question, too, when you said, what movie have you guys not seen that you feel like you should have seen? And they both said The Sound of Music. I know. Well, they also, and we're going to get into this for all of you guys. I know I asked you, you all for your comfort movie picks. We'll get to that in a bit. But I know they also, I think Leo gave you some crap for Gone with the Wind. You'd never seen Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Still? Still haven't. 
I have ticked a lot of movies off during uh, lockdown that I hadn't seen and um, gone, gone with the wind isn't one of them. But... <laughs> okay, well, we'll get to that in a bit. I do want to talk about this great new film of yours. Congratulations, everybody, on Dreamland. Uh, I, know, I know this is a labor of love for all of you guys. I mean, this is a very early uh, production that you got off the ground. Lucky Chap, your production company, Margot. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you were looking for in the early days of your production company. What, what jumped out at you about the script and made it an early one you wanted to put your, your muscle, your weight behind? We, uh, in the early days, it's obviously tricky when you're trying to get like a, a production company or any company up and running. But in the early days, we were kind of scouring the blacklist for material. And um, for those who don't know what the blacklist is, that, uh, you know, industry professionals every year vote for the script that they are surprised hasn't been made yet. And then it gets put on this thing called a blacklist. And Dreamland was ranking really highly on the blacklist. And so we checked out Dreamland and numerous other scripts. and. We kind of fell in love with the, the, it was like a really simple story, obviously, but the, it felt, it felt like it had scope. It felt like, you know, it was a really emotional and kind of journey. You've got this coming of age story that kind of turns into a bit of a Bonnie and Clyde. You've got the backdrop of the, you know, 1930s Texas Dust Bowl era, which in itself is, lends itself to, you know, such cinematic sort of um, imagery and, and we just liked, I don't know, the dreamlike quality of the writing and the story and the time. And and yeah, we all just kind of like, I don't know, we were quite captured by it. And at the same time, saw Miles's film that um, premiered at Sundance, uh, As You Are, and we're just so blown away by that. And I was like, I have to meet this director. And then sat down with Miles and was like, just again, blown away. and asked him what he thought about dreamland and and that time period and he had such incredible insight and ideas and it went from there we, we we always talk you know in these kind of conversations about like visual references or tonal references and, and seeing this film you can't help but sort of think of things from i don't even know malik and bonnie and clyde there's a little wizard of oz if, if it wasn't a house falling on dorothy it, it's it's a bank robber played by margo in this one that's you're the house that fell on somebody <laughs> miles, <laughs> i meant that in the nicest possible way um miles do you when you read a script like this i'm sure as a filmmaker yeah there's possibility endless possibility and opportunity for you as even as a young filmmaker that must be tremendously exciting what did you see in the script yeah i mean it was i mean first it's like a completely surreal experience in the sense that like margot robbie is like hey read this script and then like come and talk to me about it and and, and it was my first meeting in la ever you know i was 22 and i made my first film and then that and then so i was like oh what like what do you mean people want to make this kind of like old school <laughs> cool movie like yeah you know, so there was a part of it that was sort of, I was like a little bit in in this, in disbelief. And then especially more when it sort of like, when our conversations started evolving and, you know, there was a, Margot was really clear about like, I want, I want this to be personal for you and I want you to, to be able to sort of make it such. And so, you know, in, in that way, it's sort of like that dream scenario. Um, I also had never sort of even imagined that I would be directing somebody else's script, you know, before you make a movie, sort of you don't expect anyone would let you, let alone want you to. So there was also this kind of like very fun recalibration of like, okay, how do I learn that 
this part of the job now you know what i mean like looking right. back at a lot of my favorite directors and stuff like that from um the sort of like golden period or whatever a lot of it were movies that they were it wasn't like about their you know love affair with their best friend when they were 15. a lot of it was like these these like really well written balanced screenplays that was all of a sudden like okay now execute this so the combination of that challenge and the openness you know that margot and team had to saying like make this yours do this in a way that's like feels exciting and fresh to you felt like uh felt like an unbelievable opportunity you know finn you're, you're at the center of this this is obviously your character's story it, it lives and dies on your performance no pressure um but <laughs> but but was there a pressure i mean you've obviously you've been acting for a bit but this is a bit of a, a leap for you to be the lead the center of a story like this um do you feel that on a production like this? Is Margot just saying, you know, back when I had my big break with Marty and Leo, it was like this and that. Um, what did it feel yeah. like in the moment? It's absolutely terrifying. These guys are horrible. No, that is great. <laughs> I mean, I felt like, I think you, you raise a good point. I mean, when I read the script for the first time, when I was auditioning for it at home, I think on a self-tape, I was really nervous and um, nervous to get in the room and, and meet meet these guys. But I think the minute the minute I met you guys, I felt really comfortable. I remember you guys brought in Shake Shack. There was a Shake Shack pop up in London. Hey, do you remember we had burgers? Yeah. <laughs> and you guys were sort of eating burgers as I walked into this audition. Or you guys might have walked in with the burgers. I was like, okay, these guys are cool. These guys are making a movie the way that a, ma a movie should be made. And that's right. The like catering is on point. We know what it's. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, it was just a lot of fun, um, a lot of positivity, freedom, and um, and you know, we were just. I was just given the the sort of luxury of being able to try things and not feel like an idiot for getting things wrong. And and that is hard on film sets. You know, when stuff's moving quickly and um, there's a lot of pressures on a lot of people. Uh, to be given that freedom is, is a, I think, a luxury. And, a, um, and like Miles said, you know, everyone that I come, came into contact with helped me be the best that I can be. So, um, yeah, yeah, just hoping that comes across. Were you, Margo, were you, like, in, generally speaking, in the audition room, like, when you were casting? Like, how hands-on were you in the casting process? And as an actor, I, you must have endless empathy for that process, having gone through it a thousand times yourself. Um, what, did you, what kind of environment did you want to create in, in, in the casting of this film? Totally. I mean, it's helpful to have been on the, it's, it's strange to be on the other side of it now because I know exactly how it feels. And I know that sometimes what you're doing on an audition, to, like some people are really good at self-tape. Some people are really good in the room. Some people just don't bring it unless they're on the set. And it's, it, it might just be the off day. It might be a number of variables. So it's, it's, I think important to just gather as much information as we possibly can. So of course there was a wider search with self tapes and, and casting directors and stuff like that. And then it was really important to us to do chemistry reads and important to me, important to Miles. Um, I think they need to be done so much more often because especially with a movie like this, if that chemistry isn't there between Eugene and Alison, I mean, what's the point of this movie at all? Um, and it, it's nothing to do with acting ability. There, there are incredible yep. actors that just put two and two together. And I don't know that it, it just doesn't light up in the same way. And it's um, so, so yeah, the chemistry reprocess was super important. That's when we we're eating burgers, um, just to reference that moment. Um, and so, yeah, we wanted, I guess, and maybe Miles speaks to this better, but we just wanted there to be like an environment when people felt like they could play around, try things and just yep. kind of like 
see if it was there and not have the pressure on it if it's not like it's okay we can take our time with this and if nothing comes of it like no big deal um but it was pretty clear like when finn came in it was we had like great chemistry i feel i feel like the work environment that that kind of like conversation between miles and the two of us and where we could go with things was already like something to grab onto and get excited about and also it was a tricky a tricky casting choice for our eugene because we needed someone who was on the cusp of childhood and adulthood and who could seem innocent and vulnerable and who you don't want their innocence robbed from them but at the same time it's not going to be totally creepy when I kiss them sort of thing. So it was, it was like, and Finn just, you know, walked that tightrope beautifully. Well, you, you've segued right. into what, what is a, a, clearly a pivotal scene and I don't want to reveal too much, but like I'm watching the movie and, and, and I don't know if it's two thirds of the way through or three quarters, like there's, you know, these beautiful vistas in the film. It's got a, a good amount of scope for what I imagine was you probably had to, you know, do this on a budget. This is not like a giant studio film. That being said, one of the standout scenes is, I think it's like a six minute unbroken shot, basically. It's a scene between the two of you guys, the leads. Um, you're in the shower, you're off camera for mo most of it, Margot. And it's it's kind of like the apex, it's the turning point of intimacy for this couple. Um, I guess, can you talk to me about that? Did that jump out in the script form? Was that like a big like circle on the calendar? Like this is gonna be an important sequence and we we should shoot it this way. Was it, did it present itself as in an obvious way of the way you wanted to capture it, Miles? Just give me a little background on that scene. Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, whenever you're kind of, you're, there's almost like, uh, there almost feels like in these kinds of stories, there's like certain obligatory scenes, you know what I mean? Like the bank robbery that kind of goes wrong or the scene where they sort of have this experience. Um, and there was something that I think all of us really felt, which was whenever we were dealing with those things, not the fantasy version that the kid is having of it, you know what I mean? When we're actually dealing with the experience of it, that we wanted time to, to work differently than it did in the sort of fantasy of it. So the second bank robbery is also mostly just kind of one take, not in any way in order. It's not a very flashy one take. But the point is really to maintain um, the real time that that thing takes. And there was a process of, of him walking into that shower and having that experience and having that conversation that necessarily needed to be um, more, uh, more about his, his sort of character undergoing this, this growth and this experience and making a decision ultimately. Um, and, and so yeah, I mean, there was, it's a lot of dialogue, you know, and so it was, I think that it, it was seven pages um, and one take and Finn is working with an incredibly, especially at the beginning, incredibly small frame to sort of, you know, be performing with. Um, so it, it, there were a lot of challenges all around it. And then it was one of those days that I just, once we got to it, I just had to sit back and then realize like, oh my God, these actors are unbelievable. Like this is amazing. Like this is why we hired you guys. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's you know seven-page scenes of two people standing in a shower is not uh, fun or like easy or any of those things. But they did it in a way that communicated the difficulty and the growth and the the, the scary part of it as well as the beautiful part. So so 
yeah, that, that really came into sort of how the approach of how we wanted to frame reality versus fiction yeah. um, in the story. Well, it reminds me of kind of what you were, oh, yeah, yeah, Margo, go, yeah, yeah, go ahead. That was Finn's birthday. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was my, that was the weirdest, so the weirdest birthday I've ever had, definitely. Uh, definitely <laughs> wow. That's, I, I want to put you on the psychiatrist's couch and ask some really deep questions <laughs> yeah, yeah. behind that. But it, it, yeah. it does kind of reminds me of what you were talking about before, Finn, about sort of, you know, the last thing an actor wants to be is tense on a set. You want the, the feel of freedom. You want to feel like you have the opportunity to, to fuck up. And yeah. for a continuous yeah. take like that, on your birthday with Margot Robbie <laughs> in an intimate setting. I mean, that's a lot on both of your shoulders. Do you guys like, I don't know, do you get off on that kind of like pressure both for both of you, um, Margot and Finn? I mean, I th just quickly, I think generally speaking, uh, 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 yeah, and, and day to day, I like, I mean, pressure of turning up on set and, uh, and having to nail it, you know, and, and against all the odds and, you know, waiting for light or whatever it is going to be, you know, yeah. you have to, there is that pressure. Uh, I mean, had that been the first day of shooting, it probably would have been a lot harder, you know, us two getting to know each other. By that point, I think we'd had a, we'd partied a couple times together and we'd, uh, <laughs> and we'd hung out on set and we'd done, you know, so by that point, it felt like two, two friends, but also two professionals that were, were getting together. And like I say, you know, everyone around that day was so respectful um, and it just gave us time to focus. And just to pick up on Miles's point, um, in that scene, you know, with with the way that it was framed, um, the the sort of the air in the scene was what was really important, and it was that was really what was driving, especially Eugene to to climb into that show and to, kind of to make those moves was those those pauses and the, and those and those breaths. And I think that, um, I mean, it came together really well. I was really happy with when I finally saw it. I was so nervous to see it because I, it's so hard to know exactly what to do in those in those scenes. But um, yeah. I mean, yeah, the pressure's pressure's pretty full on, but it was. I mean, it was it was fun for the for the in the right way, you know. Terrifying too. But there is there is also a certain. I mean, watching them them do that scene that you that there is also when the scene is that long. Um, there's a certain part of it where when you're in it, you just have you're in it and you have to get through it to the other end. And if you forget something or if something happens. Um, there's an there's a, actually a really exciting sort of spontaneity in it, you know, and there's stuff like um, that, you know, that I remember things Finn even doing just with his hands as he isn't looking at her in the shower and moments like that, that you don't, you can't really write that stuff. But all of a sudden when somebody is actually trying not to look at this person, you know what I mean, in the shower and feel creepy and all of a sudden is doing that and has seven minutes where they know they're going to live in this moment. Um, I, both of them just all of a sudden were completely present and there mm. and anything that the camera sort of wanted to go to in order to show that growth was real. Um, and, and that's, that's all you can ask for to a certain degree from your, from your performers and, and the tone also that they set because that they, if they were weird and didn't, you know, were uncomfortable with it, that tone is felt throughout the entire Breaks thing. There the whole has scene. to be totally. a, yeah. a freedom and a, and a sort of, um, judgmentlessness on their part. Um, so it was that was like, it was really uh, moving to watch and also to put the trust in. You know, they didn't make me get coverage on the scene. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Which is like live or when, die. This is going to be it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So there was a part of it that was like, I mean, that was something that they were definitely. Do you think maybe? Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> uh, and and it, for me, it was really important. It was really 
important so that it didn't become another just kind of one of those scenes you know yeah. what i mean yeah. that we've seen a hundred times so uh, i was mentioning to you guys before um in this crazy year i've been asking everybody to kind of pre-select a comfort movie to mention yeah. because we all need a little comfort these times um i've gotten some picks from each of you margo sent over a few options i'm curious first of all you guys spent some time together can you guess what each other's comfort movies are did, did anything pop up as movies no, that we never had that conversation Okay. Margo, is yours true romance? That's my favorite film, but it's not my comfort film. Good distinction. But, Important distinction. Yeah. <laughs> so first of all, I'll mention that Lord of the Rings came up twice here, but two different Lord of the Rings films. Um, Finn, Margo, would you like to debate Fellowship versus Two Towers? What is more comforting than The Shire, which I, after the first one, you're not in The Shire anymore. You know what it is? It's because when I was growing up, I was obsessed with Gandalf the White and he mm -hmm. becomes Gandalf the White in that movie. And that scene to me, when I was like, yeah. probably like, probably like nine years old, where I was just obsessed with, and I thought he was the coolest person ever. Um, mm -hmm. That's why, but yeah, I, I get the I get the Shire reference. Yeah, but the first half hour of Fellowship, it's like, you're in the Shire, it's magical. Shit kind of kicks off with the dancing pony, but then you're back in Rivendell, yeah. it's magical again. Like, and you got the fireworks. And, but you know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of it is yeah. quite magical, nice. You know, the stakes are still relatively low as they can be for Frodo, but yeah, I. <laughs> We can debate this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't claim to be a big Tolkien scholar myself, but maybe that, that's why I go with Fellowship. I do like the world building. I like the camaraderie, I like Sean Bean by the end. There's a, oh. I mean, Vigo's amazing in it, um, but mm. I, can see, I can see both sides. By the way, Henry Cavill chose the entire trilogy, so he kind of copped out and did all three. Sorry, I should just think, uh, get the, the rules to you next time. You also mentioned, Margot, uh, which made me just feel old, you mentioned Pirates, the first Pirates film. Um, oh, that's a good one. So you were, by my math, about about 13 when that one came out. Did that, it just made an impact? Again, just the flamboyance, the adventure. What was it about that? Everything. I'm big on movie scores as well. And that score, like, is still one of my favorites. Love, Hans. Um, I don't know why. I just, I loved it. I don't know. Yeah, I was 13. I remember seeing it. Where I saw it. I went to the cinema so many times to see it. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, Comfort movie. I put it on all the time. I probably quote the whole thing. There's there's talk that you may be involved in a future pirates film. Is yeah. this maybe? <laughs> well, wait and see. Early, but it, it early days, early days. But early I, days. Uh, okay. I I can't say no more for now. And My Miles wins the cool points because he went he went Soderbergh. He went cool Soderbergh. What do you pick, Miles? Can I say really quick? I was going to say the Fellowship of the Ring. Really. <laughs> And then because, and that's why when, when you said that, I was like, oh, I, I wrote that by it. And then because I've, that's the movie I've seen the most in my life. I bought it on VHS the day it came out and me and my best friend Madison, who I wrote my first film with, who you guys know very well, yeah. we would watch it in slow motion on his VHS player. And it's literally how we learned cuts and how they would do the trick arrows going into the heads and stuff like that. So. Wow, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But I picked out of uh, out of sight because I've been I've been watching it a ton recently, and even though it's a sort of pulpy, crimey thing, it George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez together in that movie are just 
there's so much charm and like no matter what the situation it just uh it make it makes you kind of yeah there's there's like a a will to live that that character has that i find pretty remarkable yeah and really <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about uh, films that have eluded us. Not only uh, did Leo give uh, you and Brad crap about um, Gone with the Wind, but Star Wars, has that remained? Tell me you, in this last year, Margot, you decided this is the time. I've got a lot of downtime. It's time. I'm going to Star Wars. I see your head going in the wrong direction. Nope. What? <laughs> because I relish this reaction so much. It <laughs> It gets people's blood boiling that I haven't seen any Star Wars. I find it endlessly amusing how upset people get. And I totally understand because this is like me when someone says they haven't read Harry Potter, but they're going to go and just watch the movies. And I'm like, I will come to your house and read it to you. Please just read, enjoy the books first. So I understand the reaction, but I do find it so funny. And I, I, I'm just going to enjoy it for another couple of years. And then I'll so sit down and watch it all at once. What happens when you get the inevitable phone call from Lucasfilm saying, we want you to be a Jedi? You're going you're gonna to blow this, Margo. I know. It's, I'm not going to get that phone call. What's a Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Please define your terms. Have any, of you, have any of you ever dressed as a character from any of your comfort movies for a Halloween party for any function? Ooh, from a comfort movie? Well, another comfort movie of mine is The Fifth Element. And every year I want to dress as Lily Dallas. <laughs> and you know what? You just got to be in pretty rocking shape uh, to do that costume. And every year I've been like, oh, maybe not this year. Maybe not. So, <laughs> it's not, a, not a lot of fabric. Yeah. It's not a lot of fabric. But God, she looks amazing. <laughs> what about you guys? Anything? Uh, I'd say that, like, one of my other comfort films would have to be one of the Harry Potters. I mean, the first one, for the same reason, The Fellowship is Margot's favorite. It's that world, seeing yep. him kind of explore Hogwarts for the first time again, like my childhood, just loved it. But I definitely recall, again, being very young and trying to dress up as Gandalf and, and making, a, making a staff out of, hear this, out of uh, like rolled up paper. You know, if you get a massive like A3 piece of paper and you fold it really tight, you can kind of make it like a long tube, just sticking like eight of those together in a row and just walking around my house, just terrorizing my four brothers and my parents. Gandalf, Finn, how have we never just had this, this obsession. obsession? It's something like a child pretending to be an old man. That's perfection. Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I used to make Lord of the Rings costumes. Seriously. Um, Bone arrows. Um, yeah. yeah, you guys are all secret geeks, who knew? Um, and for sure. and we, I really could have said like cool movies that also are comforting like Paper Moon or Harold and Maud, but I was like, I'm going to be really honest here and say. I appreciate yeah. that. Go, going forward, um, Lucky Chap has been quite prolific. You've got a, another great movie I got a chance to see early this year, Promising Young Woman is fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Amazing. Carrie Mulligan just kills it as always. Um, no, no pun not intended. Um, but um, man mandate going forward for the company, you obviously produced like a big movie like Birds of Prey, smaller films. Do you want to kind of do big, small, medium, everything? What's the what's what's the goal? Everything. We're shooting a TV show right now um, in Canada, and I mean we've got hundred mil plus movies on the slate, and we've got tier one. You know, we've got a two million dollar movie on the slate. We we love all kinds of size stories and you know we really go after talent that we believe in that's always been the that's always kind of been the ethos at the company that's that's how dreamland came about is 
we saw Miles and we sat with him and we were like, we have to do something with this guy. We just have to. And um, you know, it, it, that, that hasn't gone away. That passion hasn't gone away. Emerald Fennell, who directed Promising Young Woman, as you, that's her first feature film. I mean, it's, it's such a joy to work with such crazy talented people. And it's so thrilling when other people haven't yet seen how talented they are and, and you get to be there on set and then, you know, it's just cool. So yeah, uh, the, the grand plan for Lucky Chat, world domination, but uh, kind of any, any size films and TV, we, we love it all. What do you think about it, the uh, in, in recent times, the, the, the Snyder cut seemed to have been willed into existence by the fans. Now they're on to the next thing, the air cut. Would you want to see? It seems like David wants to see his cut of Suicide Squad eventually. Yes. I never saw the air cut. I, would, I mean, I know we shot a lot of stuff that didn't make it into the movie. I'd be very curious myself. Yeah. And Jared's doing apparently a little bit as Joker for, uh, for Zach. Did you hear that? Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now is, is also, uh, Miles, you and Margot, are you guys developing Tank Girl? Is that still on the docket? We... It's been a, a very, very uh, long conversation that we've been having because we both love this character. And it seems as though, as I think you know, the film industry has been a little bit um, shaky for the last uh, little while. So I think that everyone's been like, hey, let's all look up when the world is not... Uh, an actual trash fire. Um, <laughs> I hadn't noticed. <laughs> so I know that that's something that is uh, one of the one of the closest projects to my heart in the sense I've been a fan of it forever. Um, and but yeah, the world is is where it is right yeah. now. So, I'm, so. I'm just curious because my only relationship to that that character is from the Lori Petty film. I've never read the comic. Can can I'm just curious, you guys, just as a fan of that comic or source material, like what's cool about Tank Girl? For you, Mark. What's funny is I've never seen the film. I've only read the comics. There you go. So what? What did you love about the comic? They're just so sick. They're just—it's amazing. It's yeah, they're really—they're like completely uh, uh, free and anarchistic. Of uh, you know, there's a lot of things in comic books now that we kind of take advantage or sort of uh, that really come from come from that series and come from uh, what what uh, Alan Hewlett did there and I mean the, the from the art to the characters to the politics to sort of the the fragmented nature of the kinds of stories that they're telling um yeah it, yeah anyways I don't it's just it's we it's too exciting to get too into okay uh, <laughs> we're not gonna jinx it right now long, long road to go on that one I get it but we do know Finn you are officially in F9 do you go to space with Vin Diesel do you get to go into um, outer space no, but his daughter did sing me "Ain't No Mountain High Enough" on on set one day, so I think that's as that's as close as I got to Vin Diesel, and it was pretty awesome. Um, he, uh, I no, I don't, I don't even think I can, I don't know how much I can talk about about that, but that's happening. It's a small little bit, but it's very exciting, and it was uh, awesome to work with Justin Lin. He's just he's just the best. So yeah, yeah. really cool Have experience. So, so as we wrap up, have have any of you guys shot stuff in this crazy new time? Have you adjusted to the the realities, the COVID protocols, et cetera? Has it stifled creativity? Do you worry about it stifling creativity? What's what's the environment like for you guys? Great time for our, you know, for the company. We've been incredibly busy and very, very productive uh, as a production company. I've, obviously, everything's been put on hold the projects I was a part of as an actor. Um, right. But yeah, on the producing side, it's been, it's been nonstop. 
yeah well it, it's good that there are obviously different different parts of the creativity you can tap into even in these bizarre times that hopefully but Finn's, but Finn's been shooting and I know you've Have been you? miles How's yeah, that I'm on like, yeah I'm on location right now um it's 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 been good we've um we're a pretty uh, versatile company I guess and in season five of Animal Kingdom now so we've we've kind of got it down and um, uh, our producers are fantastic and they've been getting us all the care and attention and the PPE and everything that we need. Nice. And um, it's uh, it's made things a little take a little bit longer, but um, it feels super safe. And I'm just so lucky to be at work and, and doing what I love. So yeah, we've been doing it and just uh, hoping that no one gets any, any positives and just yeah. keep going. Good stuff. Well, glad to hear it. Um, it's been a pleasure to get to know you guys, Miles and Finn. Margot, it's always a pleasure to catch up even in these insane times. Uh, congrats on the movie getting to the finish line. I mean, it's always an accomplishment. It's a struggle for any film nowadays to, to reach folks however they can. And, uh, and this is honestly a, a really beautiful piece of work and I hope people check it out. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>